This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This program is produced by podcastandradio.com Small Biz Small Biz America The Brain Our guest on this segment grew his freelance web design business which, which, by the way, he started in high school, into a digital agency with a virtual team and clients around the world. Joe Kasherba went from building $300 websites to then building $30,000 websites and managing six-figure digital advertising budgets for some of the largest manufacturing and construction companies on the planet. He now advises and mentors uh, other freelance web designers and digital agency owners on how to develop and scale their own businesses. Joining us on the line from Pittsburgh is none other than Joe Kasherba from Kasherba Web Design Group. Joe, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Absolutely. So... I mean, the story for you, the fascinating story is this, the idea, really what you scaled from a very, you know, relatively young age, I mean, high school. So just tell us the story of that development. Yeah, absolutely. And this, you know, kind of relates to what we were talking about earlier about your involvement in the music industry and everything. It's kind of funny. Um, My business actually started in high school when a group of my friends had a band and they played at this, this restaurant and my first entrepreneurial endeavor was going to the restaurant, filming them their their band playing, and then selling videotapes of them playing to their parents. Oh wow! Yeah, we are we do really run in parallel universe there. So yeah, so you were literally capturing recording, like me. You have a fascination with recording, and then creating a product from this uh, concert or this gig. Exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. You know, and that was back on VHS tapes and right. everything like that. Right. And. You know, that was my first thing. And from that, I came up with the idea to do a video production business, trying to get other, you know, other video and videography kind of gigs. And I never got any of those, but I had to build a website for that business. And having learned how to do that, people started to come out of the woodwork and ask me for for help with their websites. And so that's how that that business that was originally a video production business sort of morphed into a web design business when I was 15. Joe, was there something about, I got to ask this question because you left the door open there. The video business in and of itself didn't develop. Do you think it's because it, it, it wasn't, well, it's easy to say it wasn't meant to be, but, but why did that ha- Why didn't that happen? And why did the web design actually become the other fork in the road that did take off? I think probably more than anything, it was that, well, certainly there's, there's probably more people 
basically any business needs a website whereas only a small percentage of businesses are at that point in time especially needed any video right. production services right, right. but I, but i think the other thing is just is that as a kid in high school i could do amazing web design learn all that on my com- on on the computer and yeah. you know i could compete with anybody whereas you know my video production equipment was you know, some video cameras from Walmart and stuff like that. It was only so good. All right. All right. So some of it was a qualitative thing. Some of it may have been your age and they're, you know, but uh, so continue. So um, the web design business becomes the core. Yeah. So that so that's what it morphed into. And then it was something I did, you know, by myself on the side all through high school and college. Mm-hmm. And what happened was at the end of college, I was involved in a startup company that we were actually doing building a do-it-yourself website builder. You know, similar to like a Wix or a Squarespace or something. Yeah, a DIY and thing. And yeah. it didn't work. You know, the, yeah. the, I, we never got even one client or, you know, even one person to sign up. And so I had these big plans and that was going to be my main thing after college. And then I graduated and it sort of fell apart. And so I graduated with no job lined up and no startup company. And the freelance web design was the only thing I had at that point. Yep. So... You know, I moved back in with my parents. You know, all my, you know, my friends were getting jobs at Amazon and Oracle and places like that. And I'm moving back in with my parents and setting up sort of a makeshift office in my mom's sort of basement garage kind of place. And I just had to make it work at that point. And it was a long time of struggling with difficult clients and trying to do anything for everybody, you know, anything for anybody that would be willing to pay me. And it was a, it was a, Quite a bit of struggle. Let me ask you, Joe, and I'm a guy that did not go to you know a liberal arts uh, kind of environment to do my thing. It sounds like maybe there wasn't a college uh, chapter for you, or was there? Yes, there was. I that was it was during college that I had was working on this startup company. Oh, okay, you may have mentioned that. Sorry if I missed that piece. Okay, so back with the, like living out of the basement. But boy, do I know this story and uh, developing <laughs> a web a web design uh, company at that time. Give us a sense of the of the time. Year-wise, so we just we have the arc of where is the internet at that point? Where is broadband? You know, contextualize that in time if you could. I guess that was when was that? It was 2011 that I graduated college, so that's right. when that was. Yeah. All right. So a few years ago, but not too long. Yeah. So okay. So uh, the launch. Um, so so you begin to develop clientele. Please continue. The story is fascinating. I can't add any value other than asking you to continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. You know, I, I feel like I dealt with all of the common things that web designers and other people that are trying to you know to to do entrepreneurship deal with. Right. You know, clients that don't want to pay a whole lot. Right. Clients that say, you know, I had somebody offer to do a power. You know, pay me to do a PowerPoint presentation for them. Um, and that was, I almost, I almost ended up doing that because it was somebody willing to pay me, not knowing how to get clients and, you know, yeah. trying to go to networking events, all those usual things. Yeah. And yeah. it was a struggle for a long time, but I eventually started getting some mentors who had, who had successful web design agencies. And I also started learning about marketing from people outside of the web design industry and finally had this epiphany that, if I want clients consistently, I need to do marketing consistently. Mm. Mm. And that's the kind of thing that seems so obvious once you hear it. But, you know, for so long in business, I did all these random things from, you know, posting on a blog to, you know, uh, Twitter wasn't a whole, there wasn't much Twitter at that point, but like just all kinds of random things without ever thinking, wow, if I, if I just do some sort of marketing consistently, that's what I need to do. And so then I, 
that's where I went. Yeah, yeah. The consistency is key. And, you know, we talk to a lot of business owners on this show and others that, and you hear this. I mean, when you get caught up in the business of the business and the activities of the business, it's easy to, to get your eye off that ball, you know, particularly if you're a solopreneur, which it sounds like you were at the time. I don't know that there was a concept for a virtual team. You know, you were pretty much, you would go do a project. It takes up time and space in your life and you can't market. So it kind of goes away and then you got to go chase business in between the gigs you're doing, right? That's, that's exactly right. It's exactly yeah. right. So it's a phenomenon that uh, I'm sure many of our listeners are not unfamiliar with. I'm certainly not unfamiliar with it. And uh, it happens when you're trading uh, your time for capital. So if you could nail that down a little bit or bring it to the forefront, other than the consistency of marketing, was there anything else in this mix of mentorship that you, you walked away with saying, aha? So yeah, I think a couple pieces were, one, it was doing the marketing. Yeah. And two, it was it was realizing the need to... Increase my prices and specifically to stop positioning myself as someone who built affordable websites and cheap websites and, you know, stop competing on price and start, you know, really looking for businesses that wanted to grow their business online or actually have a website that that solved their their business problems and positioning myself as that person rather than sort of as the expert rather than the cheap website guy. Well, it's an interesting, another phenomenon that you're pointing to a lot of creative people and myself included. It's hard for us to price ourselves sometimes. I think, I think we struggle with this because, you know, it's out of fear. It's out of, uh, it's just easier to race to the bottom and be a commodity and to underpromise. So you 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 sort of translate managing client expectations with underpricing yourself. And there's a whole lot of sort of psychology that goes into all this too. So what you're describing there is something a lot of solopreneurs and creative professionals, I think, particularly struggle with sometimes is is the inability to price ourselves to a market that we really want to aspire to as opposed to just keep the lights on. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And I think part of it is that that we're so focused on what we actually do, yeah. right? I'm thinking about web design and software and all these technical things. And that clients, those business owners, they're not thinking about any of that. They're thinking about what they want. They're thinking about, I want more, you know, you know, it's a roofing contractor that's thinking about that they want more, you know, big roofing jobs or something. And so right, right. there's a mismatch when you go in and talk all this technical stuff when what they really want is somebody to come in and say, you know, I'm going to set this up in such a way that you get more roofing jobs. Right. Your your point of view shifts to their need and how do we translate? And I deal with this in my podcast production business and I'm also involved with video production. Oh, the parallels run wild. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into production and yeah, that's true, but that's not why they're there. They're there to translate what we're going to do into content marketing, which ultimately leads to ROI, a return on the investment in that marketing and ultimately transactions. So you got to talk their talk and, and, and understand why they're there talking to you. Again, for creative people, we tend to live in our brains. So I think this is, this, this, these phenomena you're sort of pointing to are, are quite common um, with creative professionals, whether it's web design or it's music production or it's, you know, uh, video, specifically video, or like in my case, audio. So the business begins, so you did some repricing. Do I have that right? Kind of talk us through, you know, the effects of that and what what started to happen. Again, back to the story, right? Yeah, it was it was a um, sort of a slow process of raising my prices. I always talk about how I went from selling three hundred dollar websites to thirty thousand dollar websites, yeah. um, but that didn't happen overnight. 
it was a number of sort of experiments and saying, okay, next project I'm going to you know, increase my price by 50% and see what happens. And it was a deliberate effort over a number of years to, to increase my prices. And I knew that big web design agencies, you know, established web design agencies were charging these higher prices. And so um, I just really continued to, 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 to make an effort to, to increase, increase my prices over time. Joe, did the, the, did the structure of your business or the way you thought about your structure change? In other words, did you say, well, I need to look bigger. I need to have virtual uh, partners or, you know, what did sort of, or did you continue to come in as a solo guy that would then freelance out some pieces of it? Or like talk a little bit about how, how and if the structure changed as your pricing changed. Um, let's see. So what 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 ended up happening was eventually I got some some marketing strategies that were working. A lot of it at that time was reaching out to people on Elance and, and wow. things like that. Wow. Um, but I finally got to ten thousand dollars a month. Um, I had my first ten thousand dollar month. That's brilliant. Um, That's brilliant. I actually had my first. Actually, the, the the most exciting milestone for me was actually my first five thousand dollar month. I remember, you know, going to this this client's office, picking up a check, and it took me over five thousand dollars for the month. And I remember literally like tearing up in the car because yep. a few months before that, making five thousand dollars a month sounded unbelievable to me. But it was only two months later that I had my first $10,000 month. Did you visualize that $5,000 idea or $10,000 idea or did it just kind of hit you in the face and it's like, whoa. Uh, I mean, what was the sort of the emotional underlay of, of a lot of this? I'd been, I'd been visualizing that for, for a long time. Uh, I've, been, I've been doing you know, goal setting and visualizing and things like that for a long time. But it was yeah. about that. It was, it was April it was that was April, and in January, I remember that's when that startup company finally sort of officially ended. And I said, "Okay, I got to get serious, and I got to make five thousand dollars a month in this business." And so I remember in January, like writing that down, and and sort of really getting focused. And it only took, and it was a couple months of making very very little, and then boom, April, I I did five. I actually ended up doing, I crossed over five thousand. I ended up crossing over 6,000 before the end of the month. And so, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. By the way, I should mention we're visiting with Joe Kasherba, his company, Kasherba Web Design, the website one and the same. Kasherba, I should spell that, K-A-S-H-U-R-B-A, webdesign.com, out of Pittsburgh. And um, so I, I'm also curious about the kinds of companies you were serving as your business turns this corner. Who were the clients? Yeah, so at the beginning it was it was very local, you know, very local small businesses. And as time went on, we sort of it sort of ended up in this situation where we got a lot of we started to get a lot of manufacturing companies and industrial companies and hmm. sort of bigger commercial construction company yeah. sorts of companies. And that just sort of happened just that's just sort of happened. And then as I started to see that happen and see that um, I worked well with those kinds of business owners, and they were really happy with the the the, the, the websites that they were getting and everything. Yeah. I ended up focusing more and more over time on those those sorts of industries. Was your marketing at the? I mean, one of the big key points you made at the beginning of this segment is that the marketing was key to this turnaround and the pricing and just sort of a repositioning of yourself as an expert. So, what was the complexion of your marketing? How did you continue to reach? the manufacturing and construction sectors in your region? 
in order to answer that question, I'll sort of jump back to the story a little bit. Yeah. Once I got to that sort of $10,000 a month place, that, that was still by myself. I realized that I'd been working so many hours and, 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 and everything that it was not sustainable. So it was at that point that I needed to make a decision about, am I going to start hiring people and get an office or what am I going to do? And I ended up deciding not to go the route of a of an office and a you know physical employees in person and everything, right. and going the route of finding contractors and building a virtual team. Yep. So that happened. You know that started to happen. I started to get different contractors and and and, and grow the virtual team. And at that point, then I started to look for some, some more powerful marketing strategies because you know contacting people on Elance and things like that was great to get some some, you know, that work that I needed at that point, but it wasn't going to bring me the kind of projects that I, that I really wanted. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's a keep the lights on kind of strategy as opposed to building business. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So, you know, I went to work, I tried everything, you know, I tried cold calling. I tried to, I, I ran ads in magazines. I did all kinds of things. Eventually the, the, the two strategies that worked really, really well were Google AdWords. Wow. Um, wow. People simply searching for web design companies in in the sort of western Pennsylvania area yep. and running Google AdWords, and that worked really well and brought in a lot of those. I was shocked how it's, it's interesting. Just the intentionality of sort of imagining the kind of the, the kind of clients that I wanted, and then writing my copy and designing my ads and everything. Not specifically saying that I wanted manufacturing clients or construction companies, but yeah. just sort of the intentionality. Wow. I ended up getting a lot of really good clients that way. Wow. That's powerful right there. It was like yeah. a quiet internal voice saying, yeah, this is what I want. You weren't necessarily addressing them specifically in copy, but they tended to, to attract to you. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. The universe tra- uh, conspired with your intentions. That's so cool. All right. So, so ultimately... It, it was a com- sounds like it was a combination of of marketing efforts to reach these folks. Do I have that? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. And so, the, so the AdWords was that that really big piece. Okay. Um, and yeah. then, and then the other piece was as I started to have more of a picture of who those ideal clients were in those industries, I also started doing more some very targeted direct prospecting to them, where I would contact them the, directly via via email or mm-hmm. via mm-hmm. a letter in the mail or a package, sort of make lists of perfect ideal clients. Yeah. And so it was a combination of the AdWords and then that direct direct prospecting, just reaching out to people who were perfect fit. Were you doing any like local networking types of activities as well, in-person stuff? You know what? I, I you know, a member of the Chamber of Commerce, I've certainly picked up clients from people I met or from, from things like that. But I was just never good at networking. You know, some people can go into a room and they can talk everybody up and hand out a hundred business cards. Right. And that was just never me. I always, I, you know, it, it worked. Sometimes I'd meet somebody, but it was just never something that was, was effective for me or yeah. that I was naturally good at. Yeah. Understood. So today, Joe Kasherba, you are, it sounds to me like you might be in a position now where you're helping other agency owners and freelance web designers, helping them develop their own businesses, shift gear to the present. What's happening today? I'm guessing you are still very much involved in your own projects, but it sounds like this other part of you is beginning to mentor others. So talk to us a little bit about how you frame all that out. Yeah. So the eventually the web design and 
digital marketing agency, built out this virtual team, eventually started hiring, hiring project managers that would actually manage projects and talk to clients and things yeah. like that. And yeah. so got to the point where, although I'm definitely, I'm still involved in projects, overseeing projects, you know, meeting with potential clients, a lot of the projects and, and elements of the business run themselves or you know I'm not as involved as I have I used to be and so it freed up my time to start working on this other business where I'm I'm helping other freelance web designers and agency owners grow their businesses via some some information products as well as some one-on-one training and consulting and that's something I absolutely love I'm really excited about that business I always I always had this this desire to be a teacher and I even contacted um, old professors from college asking if there was some way I could could be a professor or teach some classes, and I didn't have enough degrees for that. Right. Um, it's very specific, but, I know. But uh, yeah. But still, but, you're but playing cool. it out in another way. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I love that. So, so if folks listening are web designers, they're building their own digital agency, uh, they're involved in related activities, Joe Kasherba, that's Joe Kasherba, K-A-S-H. URBA. They can probably find you on LinkedIn. I'm sure they can find you at joekasherba.com, the company Kasherba Web Design Group, LLC. And I love this virtual team. Look, you know, the, your clients probably love it too, right? Because they're, you're keeping your overhead light. And uh, from the standpoint of, I mean, this has got to be attractive to anyone who's working with you because, uh, you know, they're not paying for, you know, a, a facility that's, it's, 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 your company is asset light. Exactly. And what's, what was so interesting was I, I, I had some fear for a while that, you know, maybe these business, you know, these big businesses wouldn't take me seriously if I didn't have a big fancy office and things like that. Right. And what I ended up finding was that the idea of a virtual team and everybody works from home and stuff is so unique to them and seems so high tech and so 21st century <laughs> that it's cool. It's actually yeah, cool. I love that. I love that. Well, this is, this is great. So as we wind up this segment, Joe, are there particular mistakes that you've observed that freelance web designers and digital agency owners might tend to make when they're growing their own businesses? I think there are a lot of the, the biggest ones are some of them, some of what we started talking about in my story. Yeah. You know, Pricing services very low and you know, racing to the bottom, being a generalist that does everything for everybody instead of you know, trying to be an expert that actually solves people's problems and then not, not doing any marketing. So often I talk to, to, to a web designer and they're like, you know, they're telling me how they need more clients. And so I'm like, okay, you know, how many clients did you get this month? And they say, maybe I got one. And then I say, well, how many people did you actually talk to this, this month that – you know, we're potential clients. And they said, one. And I said, well, what are you actually doing to talk to more potential clients? And they say, nothing, right? They're not actually doing any marketing. They're not actually doing anything to get in front of potential clients. And so it's always interesting uh, to, to ask those questions to somebody and have them sort of have that aha that, wait, I want more clients, but I'm not, not actually doing anything <laughs> to get in front of more people. Right, right. Well, this is the, the, the beauty of being a teacher is you say you love that because it's that aha, that light bulb moment that really can be very satisfying as you see them mentally and emotionally turn a corner about, oh yeah, I didn't connect those dots, did I? And, uh, and, and the problem of scale comes up for a lot of, uh, I think, solopreneurs or smaller startup type of environments, w- companies uh, where they don't know 
I mean, you did it through expanding your virtual team, and I can think of examples of other folks I know that have done that, but that may not be in- intuitively obvious. So they max out on the amount of work they can do, and then where do they go from there kind of a thing, right? Exactly, and they run it, and one of the biggest challenges I see is that, that I see people, especially freelancers, have a hard time making the transition to sort of business owner that has a team, yeah. and the reason is that the freelancer has everything in their head. Every project's different, every client's different, how they interact with every client's different, and it's all crazy and it's in their head. There's no way to bring somebody on because it's too crazy. So the first step is to really figure out, you know, to cut down on this number of services that you offer, get clear about what kind of clients you work with, what's the process, how does it all work, because you can't bring somebody you, in, until you have that out of your head and in, in a simplified fashion, you can't bring somebody else on because they can't read your mind. Right, right. Once again, the the qualities of creative professionals are such that we tend to live in our minds and sometimes putting stuff out there, as you say, simply in a step-by-step idea for a business owner, a manufacturer in your case, or a builder. I mean, it's it's much simpler than you think it should be to make it work. So uh, it's great stuff. Some great tips for web designers and digital agency uh, owners who are growing their business from Joe Kasherba. The website, joekasherba.com. Kasherba Web Design Group out of Pittsburgh. Joe, we'll do it again. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Small Biz. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.